Hello, hello, and welcome back to All Plotted Out, a My Little Pony Friendship is Magic podcast, where we're trawling through the latest seasons of the show, episode by episode. Because, you know, I think they deserve it. My name is Pornhart, that's P-A-W-N-Hart, I thank you very much. And today we'll be looking at season 8, episodes 13 and 14. The Mean Six and A Matter of Principles. Now, recently, um, it seems like the the show has has sort of fallen into a a comfortable lull of of fineness. Nothing, Nothing really bad, nothing really extraordinary either. And I can't pretend that I'm not a little disappointed by recent offerings by sort of show big hitters like Nick Confalone, Josh Haber, Nicole DeBuck, because they've done much better, really. But there's been nothing really amiss, just not really quite hit a gold seam. So, first off, an episode that I, I seem to remember caused a fair deal of excitement in the fandom. First of all, probably for its uh, slightly dark fanfic-ish premise. And also the return of a popular villain. I also remember early thumbnails of this episode on YouTube playing very much into the uh, finale, which made for some troubling screen grabs. uh, Because, well, slightly horrifying image of Twilight's face melting. It's got to be some grim, dark, deviant art piece that's been... (laughs) that's been shoved in. But no, no actual screen captures from the episode. So that's something weird we'll come to. But right, enough whittling around the point. The Mean Six first aired June the 9th, 2018. It gets a pretty solid 7.9 aggregate score on IMDb, where the synopsis reads as follows. When the ponies decide to go on a camping trip, Queen Chrysalis creates evil clones of the main six to help her steal the elements of harmony, so she can use their power to get revenge on Starlight, only to cause a case of mistaken identity. So yeah, um, couple of uh, warning shots. Camping trip. Not a fresh idea by this point. Been done notably in a couple of episodes, one of which was excellent, one of which was okay. <laughs> I'll let you decide which those are. Evil versions of the main six. Sounds kind of familiar. Michael Vogel is uh, another of the significant late period writers for the show. Uh, Rather like Nicole and Josh, he will have a hand in the three-part, effectively, finale of the show. And he is a feel, a writer that gets better and better as he goes through. Because he did some decent episodes in season six he was away for season seven but looking ahead he's, he's got some good ones in fact unless my memories deceive me there's one coming up later in the season that i feel is a bit of a bit of a highlight that said uh every time i hear the name michael vogel i i must confess i do think of the vogons from maligned 1975 Doctor Who serial, Revenge of the Cybermen. Anyone else? Anyone? There will be no gold. Boga is to be utterly destroyed. My mummy says I'm relevant. This is an episode that seems to set its stall out like a two-parter. It's got one of those non-expositional cold opens that's there to create intrigue. And it really successfully does that. This apparently 
ditzy but quite invasive photographer, seeming to be terrible at her job, and these rather amusingly awful photos of the main six, especially the Rainbow Dash rump shot and the AJ yawning shot. We've had warning shots, now these are yawning shots. It's Chrysalis, arguably unveiling herself very loudly, slightly too close to the village, but <laughs> a suspension of disbelief. Now, speaking of suspension of disbelief, yeah, you might say that the colour schemes of the evil ponies that Queen Chrysalis creates in this episode are a little too different from the regular ponies to actually genuinely kid anyone, but there is no way around this. They have to be easily identifiable as different, but comparable to the audience throughout. If they were exact replicas, this would be so confusing and probably even more upsetting for young audiences in places that this episode already is. I don't mean that in necessarily a bad way, but there's a, there's a fair bit of emotional turmoil in this. Yeah, I think there's a fundamental issue with this episode. It doesn't stop it being an enjoyable one. I, I do quite like this one, to be honest. But it does feel like a very big premise for a single episode. Uh, and in my notes, when I started watching this again, I put, uh, why wasn't this a two-parter? And then when I actually looked at what was happening in it on paper, I realised the basic idea um, is rather a lot like to wear and back again, replacing the main six with evil versions of themselves. I mean, they're, they're literally changeling clones in to wear and back again, and here they're just created as a changeling ruse. And yeah, the imposter part of that episode was very small. So yeah, fair dues, you might say, hey, we've not had an episode which explores that concept more fully. Also, I do note that this show has had many, many two-parters. None of them have been mid-season. I don't know if that's some sort of unspoken syndication rule or just one I don't know about, whether it's a little more awkward uh, to have two-parters mid-season or whether it's, it's simply that this is not anything to do with the new school concept and so therefore having a big epic adventure involving sort of a more traditional set of threats might rob focus from the, the larger arc of this season because this season does have an arc uh, and seeds of it have been set throughout i don't know this is conjecture but yeah it starts off pretty cool uh, but so have other episodes that i didn't like very much <laughs> yeah uh i'll be honest that first scene with chrysalis after the opening titles Ooh, I, I was not expecting much from the rest of this episode. That is one contrived and probably unnecessarily consolidated info dump. She walks around for at least one minute and a half, talking basically to herself with the rather thin framing element of her having pinned up the, the pictures of the main six on the, the trees, making it into a sort of fake conversation. But it doesn't really carry. And to be honest... My interest waned pretty quickly, as it tends to do with this sort of dry exposition where someone's just explaining how everything is going to work, why they have done what they're going to do, what the motivation is, what the side benefits are. Yeah, it, it's a strange premise for creating clones. Um, I'm using elements of their hair and trees, and I'm, I'm not sure anyway, even after this big babble, 
what the point of all of this chatter was because it doesn't actually make it any more solid this concept you just you just got to roll with it i'm fine with just saying that she's found a magical way to do that she doesn't need to babble on to an audience of actually no one uh, it would have helped maybe if she would have passed some of this out maybe explained some of it to the mean six after they've been created because that not only would have felt a bit more organic uh, it might have actually had a bit of an opportunity for some character tension because that is a cool thing about this I do really like the the mean twilight and chrysalis tension. So this this clone has evidently got all of Twilight's smarts and all of Twilight's magical power, it would seem, too. She very nearly defeats Chrysalis at the end. Yeah, this is a very high-stakes thing for a, for a single episode, isn't it? But anyway, it's not actually handled that badly, considering how condensed it's got to be. But, yeah, still, feels like they could have actually made a bit more of a of an epic and dangerous quest out of it. But as for the other replicas, it's basically just Return of Harmony again, isn't it? They're all doing the same things. I mean, is this just a fan service thing? Or is it just they couldn't think of anything more interesting to do than invert their elements again? With bored Pinky, disloyal, disinterested Dash, and worst of all, Liar Jack, which was not particularly funny in the first place. And here it's really quite tedious. Isn't helped by some needlessly direct um, pop culture references that are kind of a bit inappropriate, to be honest. Sometimes tonally, um, sometimes just in terms of that's going to age badly. Um, In a quite sort of emotionally punchy little scene where Pinky is trying to comfort Fluttershy. Fluttershy leaps up and, and does a Rodney King joke. I mean, it's okay. It's not direct, but I'm, I'm, I'm building up here. I'm building up here. Tabitha being basically on, <laughs> unchained to go full on into a Gollum impression is, it goes a little bit far with that. I want it. What, did they need to do that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that is a bit like something else. This isn't Family Guy, for goodness sake. But no, the, 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 the crowning turd in the water pipe, to quote Blackadder, is Applejack's 127 hours joke. If it was more subtle, that would be fine. But already the, the, her tediously random dialogue isn't very funny in this. So to drop in a reference to a movie which people have already kind of forgotten about, the only aspect of which that people remember is pretty nasty to be honest um it just pulls you out and i mean i know it's you know it's for the fans and it's uh, i don't want to turn into one of those people oh they're pandering to the fans but they've always been able to maintain a really good balance with this stuff i mean look back to something like uh stranger than fan fiction that body pillow gag is funny because it's purely visual there's nothing problematic about it in itself Yeah, um, this isn't a big aspect of this. Um, I'm getting a lot of this stuff out of the way to start with because there's there's great stuff in this app. There really is. Such as, it's lovely to see the main six complemented by Starlight just going out on an old school adventure. Them going on a trip to the woods feels like a very early show thing in a good way. It makes you realise we've not actually seen 
a main six sort of team-based episode in quite some time. I'm probably going to eat my words in a second. I'm just scrolling back through the episode list here. When was the last time we saw that? Season seven. I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling. I think the last time where we've had the whole group going off on an adventure, working together, having that challenged or, well, (laughs) I say having that challenged and then um, reconciling that. That's deliberately not what happened in the last instance of this. Uh, It was all bottled up at the beginning of season seven where the main sixes relationship was played off as a bit of a joke as a deliberate offset to the troubles that Trixie and Starlight were having. I really like that episode. Bit of a risky premise that's probably going to get up some people's noses, treating the main six so, so lightly. But here, this feels like a... This feels... Do you know what? This reminds me of Dragonshy or something when they're setting off. And the idea of just like a nice, good old main six adventure with the added dynamic of Starlight being there just seems like a really cool idea. I don't think that's quite enough time to grow, but there's some nice little character stuff. It's nice to see some of the old frictions and things just being hinted at again. They're not all best buds all the time, and that should be reinforced. Bit of banter going on between the characters. And while I think this would have benefited from a a two-episode span to actually really go into this a little bit more, and to be frank, and we'll come to this, tie it up a little more satisfyingly, you do still get that vibe, and it's fun. Um, And the real meat of this episode, which is just a a natural side effect, or rather should be, of this sort of premise, is developing tensions between the main characters, which is just going to be intrinsically compelling for anybody who has been involved with these characters in any way in the past. You see Fluttershy getting upset, especially upset apparently by one of her friends. That's going to have an impact. You see Starlight being pushed out from the group, uh, that's going to elicit sympathy and, and sort of hurt Twilight when people round on her and she doesn't know why. Yeah, this, this stuff really works. And as one might expect from an episode trying to, to weigh quite a lot of heavy elements, yeah, it, it, it fairly zips by this one. It is an entertaining episode throughout. <laughs> of course, there's a caveat coming. Yeah, the rather condensed time scale of an episode which is supposed to be a main six adventure where the main six are gradually pulled apart by distrust and where there's a secondary plot line with one of the biggest villains in the show starting a vendetta and using a completely separate bank of characters who could theoretically take over the entire world through this coup and uh barring some wishy-washy interpretative stuff at the end may well have done that as implied before, mean Twilight is pretty dangerous. There is genuine threat from her. It's almost a shame that it's almost there's an almost arbitrary cut-off for these characters at the end. So yeah, let's talk about how this is wrapped up. Um, it might maybe bothers me less so now, but I know when I was a kid, it would have really upset me that although the group manages to reconcile, they still haven't addressed what has actually happened. They don't know about the other clones. Um, And I think some of the behaviour that isn't spoken of when they're uh, making amends with each other will probably stick with these characters. I think if you're a kid looking at that, it's like, oh, no, but that would be really upsetting. Particularly Fluttershy, goodness me. 
she, she by by the point of their you know Barney the dinosaur bear hug at the end, she thinks everyone hates her, and this isn't explained. If every pony likes me again, and they just like go. Ah. <laughs> Let's get to that tree. The implication there being like, yeah, of course we like you again. But don't do that again. Whatever it is you did. Might be overthinking this, but I don't think any more than a, an eight-year-old me would have overthought this. This is somewhat mitigated at the end with the whole, look, it doesn't matter what's thrown at us. We are sufficiently strong that we can get through it. And that's a little bit more satisfying because it's a little broader. And also, with all of that expositional bump at the beginning of the episode, it's amazing how little what happens to the mean six is actually explained at the end. Now, you can interpret from what's happening that, oh, they start hitting the tree, so the tree rejects them. But this is, you know, it's amazing how much you're supposed to infer from this, as opposed to how much you were directly told about every part of the process of bringing them to life. And yet something I often forget about this is that the two storylines are completely unaware of each other's existence, really, right until the end. Yet it almost doesn't feel like this is played up enough. This could have actually had more of a comedic slant, like Chrysalis bumping into more of the main six. She doesn't really do that. It's a bit of a farcical premise that there's this, <laughs> this world-threatening plot happening all around the, no pun intended, the main cast uh, that they're never aware of. That sounds like a humorous premise, but it's not really played as such. Yeah, also a little bit bothered that going back to the resolution for the main six, none of the tensions would have happened were it not for the interference of the mean six yet the main six are playing it off as if these were just escalations of things they already felt that's not really <laughs> conveyed by the episode um and again it just leaves me feeling a bit unsatisfied i am asking a lot from one episode of a show but this premise is already asking a lot of one episode and yet as weird as it may sound I think this is mostly successful. It just doesn't give anything quite enough focus to make it really significant in any way. And yet it seems to broadcast all of the signals of being a, a big episode, a significant one. Just be honest with them. I'm sure they'll understand where you're coming from. So, yeah. Kind of messy. Rather too much going on. Some tonal weirdness couple of truly awful pop culture references uh, and a little bit of a sense of rehash with some of the ideas as well as I say there's a bit of to wear and back again there's a little bit of return of harmony which I don't necessarily think was a deliberate hark back but it does almost have a, a, a quantity over quality sense that they're trying to do all sorts of things and please all possible audiences I would Ultimately, rather, this were a simpler story with lower stakes, I think, because it would allow it to be focused on the character interactions. But yeah, for what it is, as, as, as a single episode, it is entertaining. Um, so, yeah, I'm not going to give it a mean six. <laughs> oh, I slay me. 
You know what? I'm going to give this one the benefit of the doubt. I'll give it a slightly surly seven. It's not over yet. Right, back to class with a matter of principles. Now, mixed reports on which episode actually aired first here. Apparently, Yakety Sacks, which was due later in the season, originally aired before this one. Uh, but I am just keeping to the Wikipedia list. Uh, it's been pretty solid so far, and it certainly makes more sense than the IMDB one, which is just all over the place. I mean, if you were going by the IMDB, the show aired daily from late July into June 2018 until you got to Yakety Sacks, which apparently didn't air until October. I, 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 I despair. <laughs> so anyway, it doesn't matter. I'm probably wrong, but we're doing... Uh, We'll do that when we come to it. I'm, I'm sure you're super excited about that one. The fans seem to... Uh, mm. Anyway, A Matter of Principles first aired August the 4th, 2018, and was written by Nicole DeBuck, returning after a break of just one episode. She is a prominent new writing force in this season. The episode gets a... Hmm, problematic 6.5 from IMDb, and the synopsis there reads... When Twilight leaves Starlight in charge of the School of Friendship, Discord is frustrated that he wasn't asked, so he does what he can to make Starlight's new role impossible. Sounds like Discord, right? I mean, he's certainly not new to overreacting when he feels left out. Remember Dungeons and Discords? Remember What About Discord? I know some fans would rather forget, even though it's not quite that bad. But no, apparently not. Apparently this is out of character for Discord, according to every negative review on IMDb. I don't think it is. Unless, of course, you simply want Discord to be a good guy. He's the um, Lord of Chaos, I think. Just saying. So yeah, just getting this out of the way. Don't have any issue with Discord being a pain in the flank through this. In my recollection, Discord never stops being unpredictable overreacting, problematic, and just can't quite relinquish his fundamental attraction to chaos. I think that's great. Do you want him to be an uncomplicated, bland good guy? Really? Now a quick visit to Condescension Corner. Condescension Corner, Condescension Corner. Oh, a good character is not the same as a character who is good. A likeable character does not always have to do things that one would consider, in normal circumstances, likeable. If you find the ambiguity in My Little Pony Friendship is Magic too problematic, I'm not sure where to point you. I'm sure there are myriad propaganda cartoons that were made in the Second World War that would suit you down to the ground. Daffy Duck hitting Adolf Hitler in the face with a mallet. Ugh. So I've got to leave Condescension Corner. I'm getting heartburn. Didums. So sorry about that uh, unsolicited response, but I just get fed up with seeing the same sort of things over and over again. Please don't take away the grey area from the characters I love. I don't think you want it either. It would be so boring. That was the hopefully short-lived segment, Condescension Corner. If you enjoyed that, uh, let me know. Do I have crickets in my house? 
But yeah, that's not to say that some of the criticisms, or particularly one of the criticisms, levelled at this episode by a lot of the negative reviews I read, doesn't hold water. It does. But, spoiler, you can probably tell already by the way I'm laying this out, I really like this episode. <laughs> I liked it when I first saw it. I liked it when I rewatched it, even though the sound on that particular episode, on the Malaysian <laughs> DVDs, is awful. I mean, the compression is noticeable through most of the episodes, but particularly in this one, it does sound like the voice actors recorded their parts in a wind turbine. Somewhat surprisingly, I think this is the first time in the cold open we actually see Twilight teaching. And shock of horrors, she's actually really, really good at it. It doesn't actually go with the boring nerd with a massive tome angle, but actually chooses to double down on the concept of the school being a good idea and the main characters actually being able and suitable to teach there. So what she's doing is teaching the class about history by giving them an added incentive. If they can learn about the history, they can find out where these artefacts are hidden. I don't remember anything that's cool when I was at school. I remember planting bulbs for the Marie Curie Foundation. Second mention of Marie Curie in this podcast. Pointless trivia. Um, on the nature trail, quote-unquote, which is kind of just a pathway around the playing field, um, <laughs> Colette picked up a needle. <laughs> uh, nature trail. First time I, I ever saw a prophylactic on that nature trail. I assume I can say prophylactic on a safe work podcast because a prophylactic is safe for most things. Yeah? So yeah, this, the School of Friendship one seems both safer and cooler. And yes, it's the cold open, so it's time for me to have a little sidebar about the use of exposition. Exposition sidebar? Isn't having a teacher in your series useful? Because you can explain as much as you like, as dryly as you like, as verbosely as you like. Is that a word? And it would not stretch believability. That's <laughs> kind of what teachers do. Well, traditionally. So yeah, two plus points for the school, both inside and outside the text. And there's already something a bit uh, special in the air about this one, because is this possibly the cold open with the most voice actors used? Everybody seems to be in on this one. And the art design is all in again with some beautiful wide shots. And the nice map gag for the main six, showing the, the distance of their objective, being both an amusing bit of visual storytelling and just a beautiful image. The detail on that map. So yeah, this, this, this looks like an extra effort episode in many ways. 6.5. But sure. Anyway, <laughs> we'll come to that. So, main six are called off on some far-flung adventure, leaving Starlight Glimmer in control. But also, Twilight has prepared, of course, and she's left a bunch of instructions and Spike as well. Uh, this seems like a really solid contingency, genuinely. Starlight does make sense as the next in command, and Spike, presumably, can just perform the same backup role as he does for Twilight. 
which beyond what we already know about Spike as being an effective counterbalance to Twilight's extremes, we've also seen in the cold open that he actually does a bit of a sort of two-hander in classes with Twilight. So, yeah, this is as good the backup plan as, as you, you're going you're gonna to get, I think. So, yeah, starting as it's a means to continue, this episode is packed with character cameos and uh, canon references. So, we've got Discord, of course. We've got Maud. We've got Cranky Doodle Donkey. We've got Trixie. Got Derpy Hoots, slash Muffins, slash Ditsy Doo, slash Pony Sona Non Grata. I just don't know what went wrong! Iron Will. And, of course, the Young Six. With the exception of a couple of the Blink and You'll Miss em appearances like... Uh, Derpy and Maud. I, I realise there's some disappointment that Maud doesn't have a fuller role in this episode, but that's always going to be the case. These cameos are used really effectively because they play off the audience's expectations of the character. There's something fundamentally pleasurable seeing how Trixie will teach a class. And if you're as fond of the character as I am, there's something gratifying about seeing the class react positively to what she's proposing. Of course, of course, she turns it into a magic show. And just the idea of Iron Will teaching a class about friendship is a bountiful one, I think. And sure enough, it's it's a really good scene. The only one that perhaps doesn't quite hit home is Cranky Doodle Donkey, who is less cranky than he is outright unbearable but meh fleeting yet loads of pop culture references in here as well but they work better than ones in the previous few episodes i think because they can function on their own they work in the context of the episode as well as being a nod to other things in fact i think some of them work a bit better when you don't know the context of them Discord coming in with his Steve Buscemi meme, hello fellow students thing, would work even if he didn't know the background. Whereas that weird dragon my dragon dead poet society gag a couple of episodes back is a bit odd. I mean, that probably won't make much sense to folk who weren't aware of the uh, source material. But to be honest, even that probably fits more snugly in terms of Spike's tendency towards vanity than any of the bizarre and slightly off-putting ones in the Mean Six. It's amazing how quickly the Young Six have slotted into these roles. Uh, by the next episode, just you feel like they've, they've always been there in the best possible way. They've got the characterizations down straight out the gate. And um, it's just a pleasure spending time with these folk. It's nice to have them reacting to the adult characters, not as a sort of generic child created for the the sake of an episode, but as characters we know about and care about, so sometimes we can actually be on their side. There are lots of cute exchanges, particularly, I must say, Ocellus and Smolder facing up to the quote-unquote haunted suit of armour, and in spite of themselves falling into instinctive roles... Ocellus cowers behind Smolder, and Smolder just instinctively protects her. It is very cute. It is very cute. And it does play very much into a, a character who is, you know, all fire and disdain superficially, but really is more caring and considerate 
than she would like to let on. I think this is a character point that will be played upon a little bit more in an upcoming episode. But anyway. Oh yeah, Gallus just cheats. <laughs> Though, with a degree of mitigation, he does accidentally prove that he knows the history anyway. I do like these characters succeeding while trying to slack. It's a nice recurring motif. Because they are really intelligent. They aren't goo-goo-ga-ga, clueless kids. But like a lot of younger people, well, like a lot of people in general, actually, their Achilles hoof is their lack of self-awareness. Their inability to quite know the difference between the front they put on and their true nature and how much this is betrayed to the people around them. Before I get on to the, the bugbear, <laughs> there's a bugbear in the episode, I should note that beyond the, the direct dialogue-based references to all sorts of past pony lore, be it to wear and back again, be it to Princess Spike with a very funny exchange between Spike and Starlight earlier in the episode. There are appearances from an Ursa Major and, uh, yeah, a bugbear. Um, which is, yeah, if, if you've got these assets, use them. It's instant production value. You don't need to reanimate anything. I gave him life. This is a funny episode. This is a, a well-judged episode in terms of its service to, to canon, nods to the fans, and just wanting to tell a strong character-based story. It's enjoyably paced. It has perfectly pitched character cameos, with the cranky exception. It's really, really nice to look at. I just find it thoroughly entertaining, and that will make me overlook some niggles. Well, a niggle. Now, I've already mentioned the Discord behaviour thing. It makes sense to me. I'm fine with that. His motivations make sense. And that leaves the other major criticism I came across, which is Starlight's response to Discord's behaviour at the close of the episode. Does this muddy the moral of the episode somewhat? Yes and no. You see, Starlight, as guidance counsellor, as someone who has been an outsider and something of a troublemaker herself, is right to identify that Discord was only doing what he was doing because he felt shunned. However, her apologising and not expecting an apology from Discord for the way he articulated his behaviour is a somewhat too tidy black and white solution here because Discord has been causing a lot of problems for her and a lot of problems for a lot of other ponies and it just seems to have got away with it at episode's end. Now whether you can actually negotiate with a god of chaos at all is another matter but apologising to him because you understand his deep-rooted insecurities and then basically giving him what he wants is probably not a super duper message. So this is one of the criticisms people have levelled that I get and I kind of agree with. But it does not damage either character. It seems that Discord in some ways is going to try and moderate his behaviour and it just illustrates Starlight's growing maturity even as it illustrates Discord's lack of it. But yeah, it, it perhaps could have been managed with a little more balance. Even if it was reluctant, Discord could have hinted at a bit of repentance. Stray observations. A nice literal interpretation of, of, of Spike 
putting out fires in the background. And did you notice the images on Discord's lunchbox when he disrupts Trixie's class? Yes, Fluttershy has made him lunch. Oh. And we also have something of an accidental low-key meme in this episode. Now, if any of you follow any of the, the pony bots on Twitter who repost episode images or character images from the show, you, you might have noticed a particular image from this episode that crops up from time to time and is often retweeted and commented on, not because it's a particularly cute image or an image of a memorable scene. It's because of the absence of these things. It is the image of part of Discord's leg coming through a door. So yeah, squee if you must. This is the origin of leg. Just be honest with them. I'm sure they'll understand where you're coming from. So yeah, ultimately it comes down to me being able to overlook that final ethical issue. Because it's not a truly satisfying wrap-up and Discord doesn't learn anything. But it's such a small part of the episode that is so, so enjoyable, so well made, that, yeah, I, I don't really care very much. You know, I, I dress these things up in, in analysis, but ultimately it just comes down to, do I like it or not? And I really do. 8.5. But that's a high 8.5. Got any problems, troubles, conundrums, or any other sort of issues, major or minor, that I, as a good friend, could help you solve? After some encouraging initial action, it wasn't a particularly lively poll. Though I must confess, I was a tad shocked when it looked like non-compete clause was winning by two votes to nil in the first day. However, one of the commenters did mention that they, they wanted to vote for the other episode and just hit the wrong button. So basically, it ended up being a very uh, low attendance score draw. I would like to thank the person who voted for non-compete clause, though. Uh, we are bold. We are ponies in arms. But anyway, yeah, if you'd like to vote, you can vote on Spotify or you can vote on Twitter, at all plotted out. And if you fancy a little more room to comment, really chew over MLPFIM or this show or both, preferably not neither, then as always, please get in touch. You can email the show all plotted out at outlook.com, all lowercase, all one word, all plotted out at outlook.com. Or yeah, pop along to Twitter at all plotted out. But regardless, Thank you very much for joining me again. And until next time, stay safe, stay well, stay tolerant, and stay away from the mare with the funny eyes. Stay away from the funny-eyed mare. Maybe the later books are slightly more realistic than I gave them credit for. 